The first command that Jesus ever gave was simple. Repent. Literally, this means to rethink, to decide to change direction in light of new information. The problem with many of us, though, is that we only rethink the next life in light of Jesus. But that's not what he says. Rethink this life. You who are poor, rethink your poverty. You who are rich, rethink your wealth. You who are moral, rethink your goodness. Why? Because the time has come. I am here. Good morning. Just before I got up here, I got on my iPhone and got on Facebook because I thought if I'm going to say that I really like your church, that I probably should really like, like your church. So I got on there and, uh, and I like a Cultivate Church, okay? So, but there's only a few that like the church, so I think all of you should get on Facebook and like this church, okay? So uh, that would be, whoever's the Facebook uh, guru, you know, for Cultivate, uh, that would be, be a good thing. So uh, anyway... I do like your church. I'm, I'm a, my name's Robert Turner. I work for the uh, State Baptist Office uh, in Harrisburg, and uh, I've been there for, for 20 years now. I work with college ministry. But I've been assigned for uh, the last uh, couple of years or so to, to Jersey, so I come over here and cross the, the border, you know, over into Jersey quite a bit. And, uh, and some of us are assigned different churches that we relate to. And I ask if I could, if Cultivate could be the church I relate to. Uh, I know Jay. Jay and I become good friends, and from time to time, Jay and I get together, usually at Panera Bread or someplace, and uh, we, we're reading through a book right now, or we pray together or talk together about things. So your pastor and I become good friends, and so I'm, you know, I've been here a couple of times before. I was here uh, a year or so ago, and then I came on your launch, whenever that, I think it was last fall, whenever that was, and, um, and was here, so I've been kind of a fan in the background, okay, so anyway, but, uh, but I, I like you, okay, I want you to know that, and, and I want you to know that, uh, I, I want to say this publicly, you are, you are blessed to have um, Jay as your pastor, he is a, a wonderful person, I've known, I mean, I've been in, you know, I'm kind of, um, I've, been, I've been in this for a long time, and uh, I would say not all pastors are created equal, you know, and uh, <laughs> And, uh, and, and Jay, God has given Jay wisdom beyond his years. Uh, and I'm excited to see what God will do through Jay and through your church here. Very excited about that. Uh, actually, have been here for the weekend because uh, I was here for two meetings on Friday, and I'm working on a doctorate, and so I've been holed up in a motel room uh, since Friday night with my computer trying to get ahead on my doctorate. So I did the kind of Howard Hughes thing, you know what I mean, kind of. You know, you, you don't want to know. But anyway, I'm just kind of there with, uh, you know, in kind of this monastic uh, kind of thing for a few days, for a few hours. So I'm glad to be back out in public again, okay? Um, well, the accent uh, is from Arkansas, where I grew up. Uh, and I grew up on a farm uh, because that's kind of the culture where I grew up was in a farming area. Um, and I, when I was a boy, I... Um, uh, used to hoe because it was a big field, you know, soybean farm, and I would go out and just, we call it chop the weeds, you know, just go up and down the rows. When I got older, 
I drove a tractor. Uh, it's what all the guys do where I grew up, and got to drive a John Deere up and down the field, do this thing, okay? But I didn't know a thing about gardening. Not one thing, okay? Uh, where I grew up, when I was a boy, growing up, a yard was just something to mow, okay? I mean, it was, you had grass basically to keep the dirt from blowing everywhere, okay? I mean, it just, you, no one cared about landscaping. You just uh, had grass. You might stick a couple of bushes out. We never watered, fertilized, did anything like that, okay? I didn't know anything about all that stuff. When I got married, my wife had been, uh, had been raised, her family did gardening. So we were at seminary in Louisville, and they had a community plot, kind of like you have out here, that the Presbyterian Seminary had. I went to the Baptist Seminary, but the Presbyterian Seminary had a garden plot that she could do. So we just went out there. We had our 10 by 10 square, and we got a hoe. And we just kind of chopped the ground and threw seeds on the ground, okay? And you can imagine what our garden looked like, okay? Not, you know, not, I mean, that's just kind of chop the ground, throw a seed in there, and the tomato plant got like, you know, this high. And we probably got three or four tomatoes off that before the, the, it dried up. But in time, we became, we, we really learned about this thing. When we graduated seminary and moved back to Arkansas, where we lived for a few years, we decided we were going to put a garden in. And um, you know, no one, no one did organic gardening in those days. I mean, you had to be like a tree hugger from California, okay? <laughs> I mean, you couldn't find any, you know, now you can find organic stuff at Walmart, but you can find it in the garden centers back then. But, but one day I was putting um, seven dust. You know what that is? It's just put it on your tomatoes, you know, to keep the critters off, okay? Seven dust. And I was sprinkling this stuff on, and I looked on the package, and it says, do not apply within seven days of harvest. Thought, why, you know, why would I put something on my tomatoes? You're eating them all the time. That is, just don't apply between with, within seven days. And so I thought, I don't know if I want to do this or not. You know, are there alternative things that we could do? And we found out this pre-internet days, but you know, the U.S. Post Office was functioning in those days, and so <laughs> they had catalogs, and you could uh, order stuff from these uh, gardener supply places like that. Okay, that some of you may know about. So we started doing that, and we had these little. Uh, things. We started composting. We actually put a compost bin. This is South Arkansas, okay? I mean, they just didn't do that kind of thing. And so, uh, so we were kind of organic gardeners before it was, it was cool. But now we're like hardcore gardeners, okay? We're hardcore gardeners. Now, what, I don't know what you did on New Year's Day. I can tell you what I did. It was a beautiful day. It was a Sunday. And so after church, my wife said, today's the day. It's a beautiful day in January. So we loaded up the trash cans in the Explorer and went out to a horse farm, some people we know, and we shoveled horse manure, okay, into the, um, hardcore, hard, you know, into the trash cans, hauled them back to the house, and we were digging the horse manure into the beds, okay? What we learned about organic gardening, the reason we got the thing, at first I thought it was about don't use pesticides, okay, don't use bad stuff that you don't want to take in your body. But what I learned over time was this. This, the secret of organic gardening, and our Amish friends have done this forever, is that you feed the soil, not the plant. If you feed the soil, naturally good things will happen. Healthy soil produces healthy plants. So instead of just pouring stuff on the, on the plant, you feed the soil. So use compost, horse manure, okay, and all that kind of stuff, and you have a 
good result. Now, that's, that's the gardening lesson for today. And I'm sure that you know all that because you guys have this thing, you know, back there that you do, okay? You've learned all that. Let me just show you a couple of pictures of our garden in our yard, okay? Okay, now you can see we put in a, a separate bed this year. This is in the back. So we had to take all the grass out. We put these beds in. And then um, this is something we did just this past summer. My wife wanted to expand the garden. Less, less grass to mow, I guess, have more garden. So we were putting in these raised beds here. And you see we mixed in compost and stuff in those raised beds. And then, aha, okay, now it's starting to take shape. kind of looks nice, okay? Makes the yard look good. But you see there the little tomato plants. See right there? Those are little tomato plants. There's some eggplant in the corner, and they're just, you know, about this high, okay? The next slide shows that they've grown. This is probably about a, maybe three or four weeks later. They've grown quite a bit. The eggplants are looking great, okay? So, but in those beds, we've got all the stuff that helps feed the soil, okay? So now that's the second garden. The, the main garden coming up next there we go. Now, we do square foot gardening. Have you ever heard of that? We do the four by four squares. And you can see where we've already put the compost and stuff that we're adding to the soil. That's what we do each spring. We add the stuff to the soil. Uh, and here they're coming up. And uh, you can see now in the middle there, I, I want you to take notice, because those are the tomato plants. We love tomatoes, OK? Love tomatoes. You can't be a gardener without having tomatoes, OK? It's the star of the show. So you've got, gar you've got your tomatoes there, and then the next slide. Uh, there they are coming up. You can see now that we put in the path, we put uh, a mulch and all this. So we really we kind of like our, our garden, you know. And then uh, I think one more we've got here. There we go. Okay, now we've got our cages up. And our, this is probably, uh, probably up in July sometime, June, somewhere there. The, everything's starting to grow. What I want to tell you, though, is there's nothing in that garden that my wife primarily who does this except just feed the soil. You understand? It's just feed the soil. So look at those tomato plants coming up. What, what, what we had to do, and what a lot of gardeners are learning, is you have to rethink, rethink what it means to garden. You know, you, that you feed the soil and you have healthy plants. The point is that the soil matters. The soil really, it's really all about the soil. You have good soil, you have good plants. Now, Jay's been leading you through a little study here and since the first of the year in the book of Mark about rethink. Rethink what it means to live life in the light of Jesus Christ. So we've been talking through several things through the book of Mark. Today, we're going to rethink, rethink what it means to what we need to grow as a Christian. Okay? That's what it's about to say. So today, we're going to look at a very well-known parable of Jesus taught. This is in Mark chapter 4, if you want to turn there. And this parable is um, called the parable of the sower and the seed. It could just as easily be, can be called the parable of the four soils, you know, different types of soils. Different people have different names for that. Jesus often taught in parables. There are these stories that he taught. You know, you go to seminary. If you, if you ever have went to seminary, you study like systematic theology. So you have this textbook, you know, and here's God and providence and all these things, you know, kind of topical kind of things. Jesus didn't teach that way. He taught in everyday life. He took stuff that people did like baking bread and throwing seed and lighting a lamp. And he told spiritual truths using just things that people understood from everyday life. So people understand about throwing seed out, okay, because they just did that thing then. So let's read this passage in Mark uh, chapter 4. And we're going to read, I'm going to read verses 1 uh, through 20, and you uh, follow along with me, okay? 
And Jesus began to teach by the lake. The crowd that gathered around him was so large, he got into a boat and sat in it out on the lake, while all the people were along the shore at the water's edge. He taught them many things by parables, and in his teaching said, Listen, a farmer went out to sow his seed. As he was scattering the seed, some fell along, along the path, and the birds came and ate it up. Some fell on rocky places where it did not have much soil, sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow. But when the sun came up, the plants were scorched, and they withered because they had no root. Other seed fell among thorns, which grew up and choked the plants, so that they did not bear grain. Still other seed fell on good soil. It came up, grew, and produced a crop, multiplying 30, 60, or even 100 times. Then Jesus said, He who has ears to hear, let him hear. When he was alone, the twelve and the others around him asked him about the parable. He told them, The secret of the kingdom of God has been given to you. But to those on the outside, everything is said in parables, so that they may be ever seeing but never perceiving, and ever hearing but never understanding. Otherwise, they might turn and be forgiven. Then Jesus said to them, Don't you understand this parable? How then will you understand any parable? The farmer sows the word. Some people are like the seed along the path where the word is sown. As soon as they hear it, Satan comes and takes away the word that was sown in them. Others, like seeds sown on rocky places, hear the word and at once receive it with joy. But since they have no root, they last only a short time. When trouble or persecution comes because of the word, they quickly fall away. Still others, like seeds sown among thorns, hear the word. But the worries of this life, the deceitfulness of wealth, and the desires for other things come in and choke the word, making it unfruitful. Others, like seeds sown on good soil, hear the word, accept it, and produce a crop. Thirty, sixty, or even a hundred times what was sown. Now Jesus, you know, he tells this parable to the masses. Then his disciples say, explain this to us. And, and you know, I kind of think it's kind of interesting because in verse uh, 13, he says, don't you understand this parable? How are you going to understand any parable? He's basically saying, guys, this is about as simple as it gets. You know what I mean? If you don't get this one, uh, I mean, I, I, I'm going to spell it out for you, but this one is really simple to understand, okay? So he's going to lay this out to him. So we're going to look at this parable. Um, and we're going to look at these four soils, okay? So let's take a look at the first one. It's really not even a soil. It's just kind of the... The path, okay? And it's the one that says, verse 15, okay? Some people are like seeds so along the path, okay? And he says the, the bird comes in and grabs it up. Now, you saw in our, my garden, and your garden out here, you have paths. You have to have, be able to walk, okay? And in the square foot garden system, you know, the idea is you don't walk in the garden because you don't want to press the soil down. You want to keep that soil loose. So the path's where you walk, meaning that things aren't going to grow there. So here's the, the way farmers did seed back then. They didn't have a tractor. They went th- down through the field. They just threw the seed out. Okay, so some of the seed would fall in different places. So some falls on the path where things are not really supposed to grow at all. Well, okay, that seed's out there. So what happens? The birds come. They say, aha, dinner time. Okay, let's come down and get the seed because it's, it's not in the soil. Now what he's saying there is that like this, 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 like the, the bird represents Satan who comes in snatches away the word that's been sown in their hearts. There's no regular water, nutrients, no roots can be developed. Okay, Satan comes and snatches away those seed. We all know people who have been who just as ungodly as they can be, and maybe you share the Bible, you share your faith with people, maybe in your family or at work, 
They look at you and they say, what? What? You know, I don't understand that at all. And so maybe the word doesn't take root with these people. We may be discouraged because we think, well, maybe uh, they're not, the, the word's not taking root with them. And for many people, that may be true. People's hearts may be so hard that it's hard for the gospel to penetrate. But make no mistake about it. The Holy Spirit is working in people's lives even when we don't know that. Uh, Dennis Peathers, he's a, an evangelist in England, real good friend, and, and he comes to the States a lot. And he said, he's in England where they're really in a post-Christian culture over there. And Dennis says it takes about 40 exposures to the gospel in today's culture for someone who just doesn't know anything before it can really take root. It's really hard soil. But he says, be persistent. Because you don't know if you're number one or number 22 or number 40. You see? A guy named Bill Fay, uh, he wrote a book called Share Jesus Without Fear. And Bill's a very powerful evangelist. He loves to share his faith with people. And Bill's kind of an intimidating guy. He was like a mafia guy out in Vegas. I mean, he was a, you know... Pretty tough guy. And so God, by his testimony, God sent a number of people to try to reach him with the gospel. People would come in his office. And he, his, Bill Faye said this. I heard him speak. He said, I cursed every one of them out. Get out of my face. I don't want to hear that stuff. And, and he said, I'm sure that every one of them would have thought they left thinking I'm, I've miserably, miserably failed. You know, what I tried to do with Bill didn't take root at all. But he said, I remembered Every one of them, that's what he said. And finally, God got through my thick skull and my hard heart and broke through, and I was able to hear the truth of the gospel. So I would say, as you're trying to interface with your communities here, don't be discouraged. Even the stuff that falls on the path, you know, Satan can snatch it away. Just be persistent. Now, the next soil, and this is the rocky soil, Okay, this is in chapter, verses 16 and 17. Others like seeds on a rocky places, hear the word and at once receive it with joy. Here there's some root development, but it's kind of shallow. There's all kinds of great spiritual truths in gardening for, for, for uh, our spiritual lives. They say when, you, when you're putting in a, a yard, a lawn, some people overwater their lawn, like they water it like every other day, like for 30 minutes. What happens is the, the, the water only penetrates about this deep, so what you do is you get lots of root growth about three inches deep. So then when it gets really hot in the summertime, what happens to your lawn turns brown. What you should do, that little gardening tip, water like once a week deep, you know what I mean? And it makes the roots go down. And then when the drought come, the roots have gone down to where they can get more moisture, okay? So that is shallow roots don't produce rich fruit, okay? Deep roots produce rich fruit. You've heard that, okay? Um, <laughs> Deep roots, deep roots. There are people, you know, you know people like this, they, people who come to Christ and they're just all excited. Yeah, all right, all right. You know, because they've experienced the new life. Their lives change. It's like craving excitement, you know, kind of going from one thing to the next. So people can, like the lawn, can experience great, great uh, joy and also very deep failure. Roller coaster spirituality. You, you know what I'm talking about? Just... You give it all they got, and then a year from now, they're just kind of falling away. Kind of like when, when Michael Jordan was playing, he would do these triple reverse behind the head, you know, through the leg, uh, back over his head, slam dunk. 
okay? These wonderful plays. So what are kids on the playground trying to do? Triple reverse, through the leg, over the head, slam dunk, and they just fall on their face. They've tried to emulate him at the point of his most creative expression. Not knowing that what Michael Jordan did, you hear his story, he spent every day, he would shoot hundreds and hundreds of shots trying to get his form down. You know what I mean? Just perfect the basics. Then, in the heat of the game, you know, he could turn around and do his magic. Okay? But, he, but people sometimes want to copy at the point of the cool stuff, not at the point of the foundational stuff. We know people like this. Maybe it applies to you or me. Where we want to emulate at the point of the, of the good, but we don't put the deep roots down. That's what it's talking about in this soil. The rocky soil. The roots don't go down deep. I will say to you, if you're a fairly new believer, um, one word is that the temptations that you dealt with before you came to know Christ are probably going to be the areas in which the enemy is going to hammer away at you. You know? If you had a problem, say, with substance abuse before you came to know Christ, uh, yeah, the enemy's going, that's where he's going to hammer you. If you had a problem with other things, you know, that's where he's going to hammer you because he knows that's where your weak spot has been. Just be aware of that. You know, get the, get the support of those around you. Be aware that the enemy is like a roaring, like, like a lion, you know, looking for the weak animal out there to attack. It's going to get you at your weak spot. Sometimes it's due to a faulty theology. In other words, that, you know, we come to Christ and everything's changed, everything's good, but life is often lived not on the mountaintops but in the valleys. And a lot of times, particularly new Christians, they, their life's been so impacted by the power of Jesus that when they find themselves back in the valley, it's like, where's God? And so it might be a faulty understanding of, of how God works in their life. God is in the valley. God's on the mountaintop. He's there all, all along, okay? And so we walk with God. We have to learn to walk with God in the valleys as well as on the mountaintop. It's vital we just learn to walk with God on a consistent basis. He's present in the good as well as the bad. Now, next is a soil with thorns, okay? Now, I think, this is verse 18 and 19. Uh, thorn, so, seed sown among thorns. Hear the word, but the worries of this life, the deceitfulness of wealth, the desires, other things, uh, come in and choke the word, making it unfruitful. I think this is probably, for many of us, certainly in American culture, this is probably the one that gets us the most. Uh, you, you may agree. I mean... Sometimes we can see it, you know, when the truck's coming up, you know, we can get out of the way. But it's the things that come at from the side, things that get us and grab our, by the ankles, the things that we don't always become aware of. The desire may be there to walk with God, but it fades in time. Sometimes it's not the things that are bad. It's things that are good that take away from the best. You know what I'm talking about. Sometimes the, the, the things that are good just come and choke us out. There's a story, you know, about the frog in the kettle. You've heard that. You put a frog in a kettle in a boiling water, he'll jump out. But you put him in a kettle of cold water and start raising the temperature, that frog will stay in that kettle till he boils to death. Because the gradual raising of the temperature, he's unaware of. That's how, that's, I guess, what, what Jesus was talking about here. This is really passionate for me because I've lived long enough that I have many friends that I grew up with that we, at college and young adult, that we, teenager, that we walked with God together. We were, we were buds in faith. And now as adults, I see that some, you know, not all of them, but some of them, 
have just, they're not walking with Jesus at all. Very sad. You know, I mean, these are people who mentored me. I think, what, what, what's going on here? And so often it was here. It's just because either, you know, we had a, a faith of youth, you know, this energy and passion, and then it's adult concerns and burdens, you know what I mean? Just the things you have to do as an adult, take care of your family, your work, come to, come to weigh on you. It's like, okay, I don't have time for that the way I used to, okay? Um, and, um, or the faith, we still just had this youth-like faith that we didn't kind of grow up with us. We kind of kept it in teenage, and so we never, never embraced an adult faith. You know, um, God saves us by grace. Guess what? We walk by grace. We're going to fail. There's not a one of us who deserved the grace of God in the first place. There's not a one of us that deserves his grace as we live this life. We, we can't live this life successfully apart from his grace. He knows we're going to fail. So failure, commitment doesn't mean uh, if I fail, then I'm not committed. Commitment means when I fail, I keep going. I get back up and go again. Okay? That's what, that's what commitment is. And then there's the good soil in uh, Mark 4.20. Okay, so f- some fell the seed sown on good soil. Hear the word, accept it, produce a crop. 30, 60, even 100 times what was sown. Now, I think Jesus, the point Jesus wants to make is clear. When the soil is good, the growth comes naturally. The seed fell in good soil. Okay, so in organic gardening, again, you feed the soil and it takes care of your plants. So what do you do to, if you're gardening to make good soil? Who, who's, who's the gardeners out here? Okay, okay, all right. Your name is Matt. Matt, tell me how you make good soil, Matt. What do you do? What's good soil look like? Yeah, it's uh, loose, yeah? Yeah, dark, yeah, yeah. Why is it dark? What makes it dark? Yeah, what do you add to it? Just across the river here, it's like the greatest mushroom place on the planet. You know that? All these mushroom soil, it's like gold for gardeners, you know. Okay, put it in your garden and things grow. My wife's really the hardcore gardener. I'm just kind of along, you know, for this thing, you know. But, but uh, she's not a preacher, you know, so I can tell all these stories. But what I like is you could go out to our garden right now, Matt, and you could, you could roll up your sleeve and you could go out there and you could stick your hand and go this far down. Because we we've never walked on you keep adding some. That soil is good, Okay. Got good stuff in it, makes good plants. Put healthy stuff in it, don't put bad stuff in it. Keep it loose and loamy, water it, uh, don't walk on it. And get helpers, like worms, okay? Lots of worms in there, because they, they get, I know it's really yucky, but you know what the worms, they, they make the soil good, okay? they're helpers. Now here's the point. We see the plant, you see the plant up there, but what really makes the plant grow is what you don't see. It's what happens underground. All the stuff that Matt was talking about there is in the soil. It's under the surface. And when that's good, the roots go way down, and the plant grows. Now, what happens with the plant is visible. What happens in the soil is invisible. Science teaches us that matter is neither created nor destroyed. So you take a little seed, and it turns to a tall plant. Where's all that extra stuff come from? Well, it, 
and through the processes that God has designed, it comes out of the ground, you know, and it transforms into this plant. I mean, the plant grows from the stuff it gets from the ground. Any gardener and any farmer knows that ultimately the, c- the outcome is beyond our control. Not every factor is something you can control. If you have a farm, some years it doesn't rain very much. Some years you have a lot of rain. Some years the storm can come and blow the crop down, you know. So we, what we want to do is partner with the natural processes that God has put into place. So what's this mean for, for you? What's it mean for me? What's it mean for us? Jesus wants us to rethink all of life uh, in light of him. How does this impact Cultivate Church and its mission, Deep Roots, Rich Fruit? Okay? Cultivate. Deep Roots, Rich Fruit. I really, really like that theme. Okay? I think it fits. You know, your garden state. You have your community garden out here. It just fits. And this is a great passage of Scripture that supports the mission statement of your church. Now, the, I looked up the word cultivate, okay? Uh, it's a verb, to prepare and use land for crops or gardening, to break up soil in preparation for sowing or planting, cultivate, break it up, uh, raise or grow plants, especially on a large scale. Or it can mean to acquire or develop uh, a, a quality or a skill. I'm going to cultivate a, a, a habit. I'm going to cultivate a skill. To try to win the friendship or favor of someone, I'm going to cultivate the friendship of my people in the community. Or to apply oneself to improving or developing one's, one's mind. Okay, I'm going to cultivate uh, an education. Now, I referenced earlier the idea of producing good soil. So how do we produce good soil so that the gospel and the message of Christ can grow and take root? These deep roots can take place in our lives. Okay? You hear what I'm saying? Because oftentimes, I think what happens is a lot of Christians, they look at other Christians that they admire or people in the Bible, and they say, I want to do what they do. And it's like copying Michael Jordan. We want, to, we want to be like people at the point of their behavior. You understand? But we don't do the stuff that builds... You understand where I'm going with this? Okay. If we just focus on what we see, the roots won't go deep. So it's what happens in the soil that gives us the strength, the character, the ability through the Holy Spirit to grow a great plant. So what happens in our private lives ultimately affects what happens in our public lives. Now, I'm going to ask a question in just a moment, but as before I do, I'm going to do a little thing here, okay? So Marie, right? Okay. Marie has some helpers here, and they're going to pass out uh, some tomato seeds. Now, let me, let, me, let me tell you, everybody's going to get a tomato seed, okay? You can do with it what you want. You can go plant it if you want to, okay? Let me ask you this. How do you think we as Christians, how can we develop the healthy soil? I'm talking about in our, the stuff that you can't see. I mean, 
not just the stuff that we do out in public, but privately in our private lives, in our, you know, in our time with God. What do you do or what, what can we do to develop good, that good soil? Just let me hear from you. What can we do? Okay, who, let me read the word, okay. And uh, who, who said that? I couldn't. Oh, okay, read the word, okay. You mean like I say private time? Like, okay. So we have, the Bible talks about we need to get the word not just to hear it, but to uh, kind of take it in. Okay, so read the word. What are some other things we can do to build healthy soil? Pray. And, uh, and your name is Janet? Okay. Janet, some people, uh, uh, it's like um, Stephen Covey, if you remember with him, and he talks about quadrant two, it's, uh, or, or quadrant one, it's, it's urgent and important, so everything's a panic mode, okay? For some people, that's how their prayer life is, you know what I mean? I pray when I'm in a panic mode. I don't think that's what you're talking about. So, okay, so how does prayer work as a cultivating soil? I mean, how would that work? Because we all of us pray when we're in trouble. Uh, it was at Peter, I think, and Peter said, "Pray without ceasing." Now, sometimes we have to go to work, we have to drive a car, we have to cook, you know, we have to work in the garden. So, what would pray without ceasing look like? You just said it. The lines of communication are open, so that if God wants to speak to you, you can hear Him. Okay, yeah, keep those lines of communication open. What else? What else can we do? What's that? Like, okay, the, 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 the support of other people, absolutely. That's a great idea because we, we need each other, okay? We need helpers, okay? We need helpers. Someone else raised their hand. Yes. Right. I mean, if you were tempted by something before, maybe you shouldn't have it in the pantry now. You know what I mean? That, that's, that makes sense, you know? I mean... I mean, it sounds really silly, but you know what I'm saying? Like, for, like, let me tell you, some people in here don't need to have showtime in your home, okay? You, get, you hear what I'm saying? Uh, or you may need to take the laptop and keep it in a public spot, okay? I'm just telling you. You know what I'm talking about, okay? In other words, you gotta, you gotta, don't, don't give yourself an, an advantage. You know what I mean? God says don't, don't allow yourself to be tempted, you know, and, and the Bible says that when we're tempted, God will give us the grace to, to endure that, but sometimes we don't work with God that way. Yeah, anything else? Yes. Yes, weeds will grow because you do have nutrients and water and all those things for things to grow. So things will grow that we don't need. They're not healthy. You're exactly right. So sometimes we need to weed the garden. And I think you're intelligent enough to know in your own life what those weeds might be. I already gave my, my kudos to your pastor. And Jay, you know, and, and other people in the church who are spiritually mature can, can be of help. We, that's why you said we need each other in the life groups and all, is that you, together we can work this out. One thing that I do know is that none of us are perfect, and so you don't need to pretend that you are. So when you need help, call for help. Call for help. Let me go back, let me end here with, with our garden here. Come to the next slide up here. 
I want you to see here, this is the garden that we planted, uh, that we set the bed, you know, with the stone around. This is in the peak of the season. You could hardly walk in there now, okay? And then the next one of the main garden, look at that. Now, I want to tell you, those cages there, those are called Texas tomato cages. You ever want to get good tomato cages, get those, get those okay? Uh, you have to order them. They're not cheap, uh, but they last forever, and they fold up. But that is a five-foot cage with a two-foot extension. Now, five plus two equals seven. And if you look, the tomato plants are growing out the top. My wife's tomato plants hit eight feet this summer with nothing... She put a little fish emulsion on it a little bit, but really nothing but the soil. I'm not trying to brag on the garden. I'm trying to say, look what the soil does. Look at that tomato plant. Now, look at the, look at the seed that you have in your hand. Now, I don't know that, that, Jesus had, that they had tomato plants in Jesus' day, or he could have said, consider the tomato seed, okay? He talked about a mustard seed because they had mustard, but it's a tiny, tiny seed. But that seed, in the right conditions, in good soil, does a, a, a plant that's, that's eight feet tall. I just want you to see that. That's what God is talking about when he says, in good soil, it's 30, 60, 100 fold. That's the, what deep roots, that's the rich fruit, the deep roots the little seed you have in your hand, maybe what you say, I have very little to offer God. I have no talent. I'm not skilled. So what? Look at that seed. If you look through the whole story of Scripture, is about God taking seeds. You know, Gideon, little David, you know, with a slingshot, uh, little baby laid in a manger, okay? About taking the, the small and insignificant and doing incredible things with it. I hope the lesson is clear here, okay? Because God is just a God of taking seeds and making big plants with them. So I'm, my challenge to you is, as you hold that seed in your hand, is to ask God to take your life like a seed and let it be planted and say, God, what can you do to multiply my life out? 30, 60, 100 fold. What can happen? Let's pray. Father, I thank you so much for the lessons of Scripture and how they tie in so well to how the stuff we just deal with in everyday life. They make sense. I know there are people who are discouraged and feel defeated, feel like they don't know uh, they can keep going or whatever, Father. But you are the God of taking seeds and making them into great plants. I pray for every person out here that they would take this message, Lord, in a way that, uh, that your Holy Spirit would personalize it for their lives. And they would hear it the way they need to hear it. And I pray, Father, uh, for this church, cultivate as they seek to be a beacon of light, salt and light for this community here in, in uh, this area of New Jersey. 
that you would help them, Lord, to bear great fruit because their roots go down deep. Lord, I pray that the soil would be loamy and loose, we filled with good stuff, Lord. And as we talk today, that get the weeds out, get the bad stuff out, uh, feed it with good stuff, get helpers and supporters, all the things that they need, get in the Word and pray, all the things we need to do to produce good soil in our lives, Lord. I pray that we would all hear your Spirit and do those things we need to do. And Lord, as we continue in this worship now, through our response, through communion, through worship, I pray, Father, that you will continue to speak to us. Through Christ we pray, amen.